It's not all unicorns and rainbows with Medicare Advantage plans. How? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Medicare Marketing and Sales Podcast, offering mediocre Medicare advice to insurance agents. I'm your host, Mike Katorna. And yes, Medicare Advantage plans are super popular. According to the numbers I pulled off Kaiser Family Foundation, which is kff.org, great website for just industry insights and numbers. In 2022, 48% of Medicare beneficiaries are enrolled in a Medicare Advantage style program. That's 48%, it's basically half. And the Congressional Budget Office predicts in 10 years time, by 2032, that number will be just above 60%. Now, breaking that down, I thought this was interesting, so maybe you might, is that 66% of all MA enrollees are enrolled in individual plans, 18% group, and 16% special needs, whether it be dual eligible or chronic condition, which is interesting to me for the fact that 18% is on group. So 20% of all MA sales happen in a group environment, which makes sense because a lot of these large employers have say, we will give you insurance when you retire, that may be part of their benefits package, but it's very expensive to do that. So turning to Medicare Advantage companies can help reduce those costs and still give coverage to the retirees. Now, when it comes to the downside though, cause again, it's not all unicorns, rainbows and fuzzy kitty, kitties, it's there's also some potential downsides that if you're not reviewing with your clients and prospects, you're truly not doing them a their full service. Because when I purchase something, whether it be a good or service, I'd like to know the potential downsides. And give you an example, I'm looking for a new coffee maker, which is insignificant in the grand scheme of things versus health insurance, but still want to know what's going on. Because I'm going on my third coffee maker in a couple and a handful of years, which to me seems like quick. You know, I remember my parents had the same coffee maker, the entire same one growing up my entire childhood, and I'm going through uh, my third one within a couple of years. And I know it's hard water, yada, yada, yada. The point is, I want to know how long this next one's going to last. And yeah, I'm going to spend maybe 50, 50 bucks on it, maybe 100 if I splurge. And that while that's, you know, 100 bucks is 100 bucks, it's far less than going to the hospital. So I want to know when I'm buying insurance, is this truly going to cover me? And what can I? how can I expect this to work when I use it? Because if you're not telling me as an insurance agent, the potential downsides, and when a downside does happen, I may resent you for not knowing this was a possibility. And so when it comes time again to buy insurance, i.e. next AEP, I may think, wow, that agent didn't tell me that I would have this giant expense. I don't want to use it again. Now, the flip side is if you tell them about that potential expense and it happens, they can go, oh yeah, I knew this is a possibility. It is what it is, but AB, you know, this insurance agent, I was at ABC insurance agent, but ABC agency or ABC insurance agent, whoever it is, told me about that. So it wasn't a surprise. It was something I knew was coming. And therefore, you're not an SOB in my book anymore. So, what are the things that I talk about my clients and prospects when it comes to the downside of MA plans? Glad you asked. Now, one person might say networks. I've heard agents say, well, networks is an issue. And it is, to a point. But the challenge with networks is a lot of your clients and prospects are used to it. Networks aren't a new thing for most people. Most people coming from the group employer side of insurance into Medicare, they're used to having a network, right? They're coming off a PPO or maybe an HMO. 
So this isn't a new concept. For them, it might be business as usual. And as long as their providers and doctors are in network, it typically is not an issue because that's how it's been their whole lives or their whole adult lives. So I wouldn't say network is an issue till it is. So again, all their providers and doctors are network. You could skip right past that. The three things I look at or I warn my clients about when it comes to a Medicare Advantage plan is inpatient, skilled nursing, and cancer. So let's break them down. Inpatient's pretty obvious. You go to the hospital, it's a very expensive place to go. You're going to have a big bill. Now, that, of course, can be very geographical. Some plans and some markets are very benefit-rich, even in hospitalization co-pays. Most plans are not. Most plans, you go to the hospital, you're going to owe something. And yes, while you're talking about it <clears throat> with your client either over the phone or in person, it may not be that real because most people don't want to go to the hospital, so they're going to avoid it. So it's not a huge impact. Yeah, you know, if it's $300 a day, days one through five, so if you go to the hospital for five days, you're going to owe $1,500. Most people are going to be like, okay, that's not great, but you know what? I don't plan on going to the hospital, so that's not a real number yet until it is, until they actually go to the hospital and owe that $1,500, and now it's a, oh, crap, I owe $1,500. This is where you could say, you know, there's a hospital benefit we could add that can offset some or all of that if you if that number is troublesome to you. And if they say no, and they go to the hospital and they get that bill, they could say, oh yeah, Mike said there'd be, you know, there'd be a bill, there is a bill, I'm paying it, you know, that's that's par for the course. Now, if I don't tell my clients or blow it off, that's not that big a deal, and it happens, it is a big a deal, they could be very resentful to me, the fact that it happened. Even though I had no control over it, I didn't send the bill. But the fact that I didn't really place emphasis on the fact that this could be you know, potential, a large bill may make me look like the bad guy. And I want to avoid that because again, next AEP or next time they have a concern, I want them to call me so I can have the opportunity to service them rather than another agent. And the other agent's goal obviously is to replace me as a primary agent. So talk about it. And that hustle benefit, if you're like Mike said, hustle benefit, that's a standard hustle indemnity plan. So you should always be offering hustle indemnity plans because that's a solution to a potential problem not with the treatment, but the cost. So if I, I've always told my clients, you know, we want to focus on recovery, not repayment. So I'm going to give you some options to help with that. And if they say no and they get that bill, they can be like, oh, yeah, Mike said there was that other thing or the benefit I could have bought. I didn't buy it. It's my fault. As opposed to they find out that's a that's a possibility and I didn't offer it. Now I'm the bad guy. So help prevent resentment to you by talking about not only the upsides, but also the downsides of the plans. And that's inpatient. Now, skilled nursing, not a lot you can do about that. That's going to be all network-based, and we have no control over the networks. And this is definitely more an issue for your hospital discharge planners, social workers, and nursing homes or skilled nursing facilities. Because a lot of those folks in that field don't like Medicare Advantage plans. And it's not the fiscal part of it. It's the network part. Again, for the client, network's not a big deal because most people don't have a preferred nursing home, right? Maybe they do because it happened to them and then you could have the conversation. But the vast majority of people don't know what that looks like, don't know what skilled nursing looks like. They don't have any idea. So there's no real concern there. But for the people in that field, their use of Medicare, their use of something going to the hospital, 
needing skilled nursing, and then having every skilled nursing facility available at their disposal. And then come MA plans. Now, MA plans say, here's the ones that we network with, everyone else we, we don't use. And that restricts the social worker, hospital discharge planner, and the nursing home from accepting new patients. And they don't like that. It makes their job harder. So yes, it's still a good plan, but through the eyes of those folks, it's not a good thing. And if you want proof, one of my wife's very good friends is a social worker slash discharge planner at our local VA. She hates these plans because they have a network and it makes her job harder. Because she's told me time and time again, and when there's an issue, I hear about it. Mainly because we're in the same trivia league together, so I see her quite often. And yeah, when she has a difficult case, she yells at me because she knows I'm in this field. Jokingly, of course. Of course, the alcohol does help diffuse the situation, but that's how they see these plans, as burdens to placing their patients. And last but not least, which I think is more universal, is going to be when someone's diagnosed with cancer. Because cancer isn't just, oh, you got cancer, here's chemotherapy, we're done. There's a lot of things that can happen depending on the cancer diagnosis. So, so typically... I'd say for your average cancer, which I don't know if there's an average cancer, but the average treatment I've seen is, you know, someone's diagnosed with cancer. They go to, the, if they're not already seeing a specialist, they can, they're going to go to a specialist or continue to see that specialist. They're going to get a surgery. They're going to do chemotherapy. They may do radiation. And then they may have all these other little intricacies of prescription drugs and other treatments and other things going on. And then hopefully they go into remission. That's the typical course of cancer. And all these things that they're doing adds up really fast. So again, specialist visits, typically more expensive than primary care visits. Surgery, there's that inpatient hospitalization. Chemotherapy is typically 80-20, same with radiation. So all these things can add up very quickly. And if you're not telling your clients, hey, you know, if you're diagnosed with cancer, or if you're worried about being diagnosed with cancer, I'd recommend a cancer plan in addition to this which you can't sell at the same time because it's on the summary benefits. It's a great follow-up appointment. But to say, hey, I'd rather give you a, a lump sum of money to use to offset all these copays you'll have as opposed to pulling out your savings. And most people are like, well, let's see what that looks like. You know, what? How does that work? So at least you're giving them a pathway to a solution. Of course, underwriting is a concern. Their budget's a concern. But you're showing them that there's a potential solution to this issue. And especially... True, if they're diagnosed with cancer later in the year, because their max out of pocket is calendar year. It's not per occurrence or per illness. So if they start cancer treatment in November and they're spending all this money and January 1st hits, what happens to their max out of pocket? It does a hard reset. So that 3,000 or 4,000 max out of pocket became a six or 8,000 max out of pocket because they rolled it over to the following year. There's also the old adage of if you can't afford a MedSup premium, you can't afford to have cancer on a Medicare Advantage plan because you could blow past what you would have paid annually for a MedSup, and now you're being co-paid, quote, to death, unquote, with a Medicare Advantage plan. So even if your clients don't qualify for a cancer plan because of past illnesses, at least you're showing them that you're trying to work with them on this or give them potential solutions. So if they are diagnosed with cancer and they start getting all these copays and all these bills that you at least tried to work with them in preventing these bills happening and it was due no fault of their own or yours that's happening. 
but you didn't blindside them because there's nothing worse than receiving a bill for a thousand dollars out of nowhere that you have to pay. Whether or not you have a lot of money in the bank or little money in the bank, thousand dollars still a thousand dollars, or even hundred dollars is still a hundred dollars for a lot, especially when you have that proverbial fixed income with a lot of your clients because they're on social security, they have a quote fixed income, unquote. We hear it all the time. And now their fixed income is being threatened by treatment. So make sure you're at least educating your clients about the risks of these plans and the potential downsides. So if they do happen, you're not that SOB that didn't tell them about any of these risks, but you're the person that said, oh yeah, this could happen. Just so you're aware, I don't want to see you get blindsided by any bills. And when you do that, they're going to appreciate it. They're not going to be happy about it, but they will appreciate the fact that you're talking about the downside because sales, the proverbial untrustworthy, untrustworthy salespeople only talk about the positives. True advisors talk about both the positives and the negatives. So be that for your clients. Now, if you like more resources, you can go to medicarepodcast.net for additional resources. Also, check us out on TikTok. Yes, we're on TikTok. Yes, I'm old enough to make TikTok uncool, which I'm working on, especially talking about Medicare on there. But just look at, for Medicare podcasts or on there. Otherwise, go out there, have fun, make money, impeccable service.